Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. All right. Assalamu alaikum. Testing one, two, one, two. Testing. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi rabbil Wa salatu wa salam ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana Muhammad. Oh Allah, we ask you for your love. We ask you for the love of those actions that will gain your love. And we ask you for the love of those people who you love. Ya Arhamar Rahimin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this gathering a gathering of healing for our hearts and increasing of our knowledge, inshaAllah ta'ala. Uh, just a reminder about masks, inshallah, just be really proactive about um, keeping your mask on as much as possible, inshallah ta'ala. Um, so we didn't have a session last week because uh, I got the, what you call it? The Flona. Last week I had the Flona. I just learned about Flona, right? Flona. The Flu-Rona joint. A little mixture of both. Uh, so it was a really tough week. Um, it went through the whole family. And uh, so that's why my little ones aren't here right now. Well, inshallah, we'll all get better. Inshallah, stay safe. You know what I mean? But we all know that sickness uh, is a healing for us spiritually too. Um, so if we go into it with that mindset, uh, we can get more out of that sickness. Right? And so um, may Allah keep us all healthy. May Allah keep us all healthy. Inshallah ta'ala. Um, so we're picking up where we left off in uh, Ar-Risalat al-Mustarashidin, which is Imam Muhasibi's text, uh, a manual on seeking guidance. And we know in this book, he gives just different gems of knowledge for us to reflect upon and for us to implement into our lives. Um, and it's been quite a journey reading this. Absolutely beautiful gems he's been giving us. So we're going to continue, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Imam Muhasibi, he says, he says, Waktumil awja'a. Okay, I'll be really honest with you. As I was reading this part, I said to myself, I'm actually going to skip this. I'm going to skip this part. Because the way he says it in his context, we may not understand it the way he's trying to express it. So I'm going to try my best to explain what he's saying. Imam Muhasibi, he says, one of the qualities that you should work to do and, I, and, and don't, don't judge me until we're done yet, okay? One of the qualities he said you should work on is he says, 
Hide your pain, keep it in. Hide your pain, keep it in. Now, here's the deal. When we talk about uh, emotional intelligence, which I never talk about in this halakha, right? <laughs> when we talk about emotional intelligence, one of the core pillars of emotional intelligence, so there's five core things of being an emotionally intelligent person. And the best way to remember it is the, the acronym RULER. The acronym RULER. So R is for recognize. Recognizing emotions within you. Don't run away from emotions and you recognize what they are inside of you. Number two is you for understand. Build the understanding for yourself. Number three is L for label. If you can't name it, you can't tame it. If you don't understand yourself, you can't control it. The, when the Prophet says, La taghdab, don't get angry, that, 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 there's an there's a understood implication that you, you, you can label your anger. And then you move on to E, emotional expression. And, and this is very important because a lot of us still have baggage from not being able to express our emotions as we were growing up. And in fact, in some of our cultures in this room, the more manly you are, the more you don't show any emotion. The more manly you are, you don't show any emotion. And that's a sign that you, you're, you're good. And so, and so we, from a child, we learn, oh, I got to keep all this stuff inside. I got to keep all this stuff inside. And what happens is, you know, like a child, a very young child, we, we learn from psychologically, like neurologically, like the, the limbotic, the, the, the back of the brain where we feel develops before the neocortex. So what that means is we're able to feel before we're able to express what we feel. So sometimes you see like little Qasim or someone smaller running around and they're trying to express something and they get, they get angry because they can't express what they're feeling. A lot of us have that same issue till today. We know we're feeling something, but we don't have the vocabulary and the words to quite explain what we're feeling. And, and a lot of that happened because we kept it bottled in for so long. We didn't, we never let it out. And our family never told us to let it out. Our parents never told, but pops never told me to let it out. Pops told me, suck it up. Right? I knew y'all heard that before. Suck it up. Walk it off. You ever heard walk it off? Walk it off. Don't cry it out. Suck it up. Walk it off. And so what happens is we've taken that same problem, which is the inability to express as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult. And still today, we still have that problem of inability to express and get it out. And so what I'm trying to highlight is this. If you know yourself and you understand your emotion, there are beautiful moments when we study the life of the Prophet Sallallahu and when we study the life of Abu Bakr and others. And I'm going to give an example where it's so beautiful to hide the emotion inside. Let me give one of the most beautiful examples we studied in Sirah this week. It was during the Hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Everyone knows beautiful moment. The Prophet Sallallahu he's leaving Mecca, trying to get out as fast as he can because his house was surrounded. He goes to Abu Bakr's house. I'm just going to paraphrase for time. He goes to Abu Bakr's house. Now, this is interesting. There's two times he went to Abu Bakr's house. And early in the day, he went to his house to tell him we're dipping tonight. Okay? Now, listen to this. Aisha says, she says that 
It was the middle of the day and the prophet was coming to our house. He never came in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day, you stay home. It's too hot. He was coming in the middle of the day. So Abu Bakr, he's like, something's up. Because the hadith says he was coming and he had his like shawl on over his head. And he was kind of like, like low key coming. He came in the house. He said, Abu Bakr, who's here? He's like, it's just Aisha and Asma. He's like, tell them to leave. Abu Bakr's like, yo, they're just family, Ya Rasulullah. Whatever you can say to me, you can say in front of them. They're okay. It's all good. So then the Prophet Sallallahu says to him, I'm paraphrasing, we're dipping tonight. And, and, and I, of course I'm dipping. The Prophet, he didn't say, I'm paraphrasing, he didn't say dipping. Right? Okay. You know, but he spoke in a way that he understood. Okay. So, and I'm speaking in a way you understand. Okay. So he said, we're leaving tonight. And the first thing Abu Bakr said was, a suhba, meaning I get to go with you. Like, I get to accompany you on this journey to, to, to Hijrah. I get to go with you. This is a big deal. And so the narration says, this is what Aisha says. She says, I never knew a man could cry out of happiness until I saw my father weep in that moment right there. What I find so amazing is the healthy expression of emotion in that household. She's watching her father cry. That's a beautiful example. How many of us have actually seen, you don't gotta raise your hands. All right. Uh, how many of us have actually seen our father cry? It, okay. <laughs> it's all good, bro. It's, it's a rhetorical question. It's okay, put your hand up. Okay. Right? So the point I'm trying to make is <laughs> like, yeah, when my mother get on him, he'd be crying, <laughs> right? No, but seriously, like, like as a son, if I really think back of the really touching moments from my father, it was the moments where I saw his emotional expression. And it taught me like, as a man, it's okay. So she says, she's like, I never saw a man cry out of joy except that moment. So if you're like, if you're an older sister or you're an older brother or you have younger uh, children around you, like be fine with expressing emotions so that you can teach that it's okay. So then he cries, right? He weeps. The prophet, he goes back home. He's like, I'm going to come back tonight. We'll leave. We'll leave tonight. He goes back home. That's when they surround the house. And the prophet sneaks out of the house. He goes to Abu Bakr. They leave and go to the cave. Well known. Now, this is the part that's amazing. When they get to this small cave, the first thing Abu Bakr says is, I don't want him to be exposed. So he goes into the cave. Well known. He goes into the cave. I'm just doing it quick so we can get to more stuff here, but it's a beautiful point. He goes in the cave and he seals up all the holes in the things with his own clothes, right? He rips his clothes and starts sealing up holes so no snakes and scorpions can, can come out. Then he comes in, he sits down, and he says, Ya Rasulullah, come on in. The Prophet Sallallahu comes in and he lays his head on the lap of Abu Bakr. Now again, beautiful male expression of emotion. You know what I mean? Like, yo, if, if, if Haytham just laid down in your lap right now, you know what I mean? Everybody be like, yo, I don't know. What's up? And, and my first thing as an American young man, when I spent a little time in Syria, the craziest thing to me, remember I told you this? First of all, dudes would hold hands down the street, right? So I'm walking down and we holding hands and I'm kind of like, all right. But then as we walk and you meet someone, he's like kissing on cheeks and stuff. I'm like, whoa, we're a bit close here. Okay, cool. So, so expression of emotion and closeness is something that we, we lack here. But for Abu Bakr and the Prophet Sallallahu it was a father-son. It was a close brother. It was, it was special. 
So he laid his head in his lap. And I'm going to get to the main point here. He laid his head in his lap and he says, okay, go to sleep. And you can just see how beautiful this moment is. The Prophet Sallallahu is resting. He's, he's, he's fleeing from his city. He's resting his head in the lap of Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr is sitting up in this tight cave and he's just resting on his lap. All of a sudden, you all know what happens next. He gets bitten in the foot because he, he, there was one hole he couldn't cover. So he put his foot on the hole, his heel. And all of a sudden, something from inside starts to bite him while the prophet is sleeping. Now, this is what I want. This is where uh, uh, Muhasibi comes in. The Abu Bakr, and he just holds it in. He just holds it in. He's getting stung, bitten by whatever it is. And he's just holding it in, holding it in, holding it in. But you can't control the physiological aspect of pain. So a tear starts to literally roll down his face. And then it drips onto the face of the Prophet And the Prophet wakes up to this man crying, holding in this pain. And, and so when I read this word of Muhasibi where he says, Hold in or hide, cover the pain. The only thing I could say is, don't become so emotionally detached that you mask your emotions. But there are moments in life where it's beautiful to hold in the struggles that you go through for another person you love. Does that make sense? And so there are times where, and I got so many examples from the life. This is one beautiful one where it's like, why didn't you just wake me up? And it's like, no, I didn't want you to know what I was going through for your sake. I'm going to say that again. I didn't want you to know what I was going through for your sake. I didn't want you to know how hard it was. The best example I could think of in my life is my mother. I don't know if y'all ever had parents who were struggling to put food on the table and keep the lights on. But when we look back at what they were going through, that is, that's, uh, that's hiding pain. That's hiding struggle. Some of your fathers worked hard and they would come home smiling like nothing happened. Out of love for you, they like, you can't see me in pain. So, hold it in, hold in the pain, cover that up, keep it inside. But I had to preface this by saying we are in any, as men, I'm speaking for the brothers here. We're in a society where we're taught from a young age, don't show any emotion. That's not what it's saying. Literally, right before this moment, he held it in. He cried in front of his daughter. That's why I shared both of those. The same day he cried in front of his daughter was the day he held in pain because he didn't want the one he loved to see what he was going through for him. So he says here, learn how to hold in difficulties, not just letting it out, letting everyone know. Another example, real quick. This example is a beautiful one. One day, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the Prophet, he, he didn't have food in the house. Now, you have to understand something about the Prophet's poverty. It was, it was called Fakhr Ikhtiari, which means a chosen uh, poorness, meaning he would get stuff and he would give it out. So he could have had, but because he's giving preference to others. So the Prophet, one day, he's walking around in Medina midday. No one's out in midday. So he's walking around. Why is he walking around? Low key, why is he walking around? Kind of. Good one. Uh, because he's hungry. And you can't just stay at home sometimes when you're hungry. You know, just sitting around makes it worse. Sometimes just walking around makes it light, right? It makes it easier. 
So he's walking around just to like, I can't think about the food thing. And he sees Abu Bakr. And he's like, bro, what are you doing out right now? And he's like, what are you doing out right now? He's like, low key, I'm hungry. I didn't want to like announce it, but I'm hungry. He's like, yo, same thing that brought you out, brought me out. And the next one they walk, they're just, let's walk around hungry together. They meet Omar, Omar, same thing, same dialogue. Finally, they're like, all right, guys, this is enough. Let's go to a friend's house and see. And they go to another friend's house and they, they end up eating there. But my point was they hid the struggle. And, and that's why when you fast, when you wake up for tahajjud, when you do things that are difficult for the sake of Allah, you got to learn how to hide that stuff and, and, and hide it proudly. Like, I don't want no one to know about this stuff, this pain that I'm going through. So may Allah allow us to connect to ourselves and understand our emotions. But at the same time, Allah reward our parents, man. I'm just, I, I didn't even plan to speak about my mother, man. Like, man. And I'm sure a lot of y'all can resonate with that, man. A lot of y'all, it can resonate. It's, they went, they just hid it from us. That's the quality of a believer. That's the quality of someone that trusts in God. So let's move on from this one. He says, hide, hold down the pain. Hold it. Don't show it. Hold it. Keep it inside. And actually what you should show is that you don't need anything. I'm good. I'm good. You know, you ask our parents when they were struggling, do you need anything? Amu? No, I'm good. I'm good. Baba be like, no, I'm good. Show ta'afuf. I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm all right. Now, let me caveat this. <laughs> In our community, sometimes it's okay to ask for help. I have to say this because we actually go the other extreme where we know you need help, but you won't ask anyone. Right? Literally, he's like, who do we help? We don't know because they keep it so low key. So I think there's balance that's there. And as a community, we need to know who needs in the community. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Because that's our nature. The Muslim community holds their pain. And that's why you need close brothers and sisters. that be like, no, I know a family that needs right now. You'll never know, but I know them. Let's go take care of them. And, and alhamdulillah for the people in the room who know the people who need, mashallah. There's a few of them in the room, mashallah. And then he says, he, so he says, hide your pain, cover your pain, keep it in. And the only thing you let out or show is a smile. I'm good. I'm great. I'm doing amazing. And within yourself have trust in God. Know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. Then he moves forward. He says, different topic. Remember how, remember how Imam Muhasibi is. He switches it up. This is an amazing advice. He says, Takallaf in Arabic is like when you really try hard at something. They use it in the Urdu language when you're really trying to help someone or do something extra. They're like, don't do takallaf. Right. And in Arabic, it just means like when you're you're just going over, you just keep on persisting at something. Right. So he says something here. It's beautiful advice. 
do not go to extremes in reaching for something. In areas that you have already been sufficed in. Now this is really deep. What he's trying to say is throughout the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says things like, Your risk is in the heavens, what you have been pro promised. What he's trying to say is, in order to let go, you need to really deeply know that someone's still in charge. You, you ever like, like taking a day off from work? Some of us are workaholics, right? It's really hard to take a day off of work, right? And you really just got to know your coworker can cover everything. You got to know someone's in charge. I don't know if that, I don't know if that resonates with you. Like you, as long as you know someone's taking care of all the projects, everything, you can kind of relax that day. What he's reminding us here is deep. He says, when you realize that someone has already sufficed in certain areas for you, you'll be able to let go and let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take care of, take care of things. But then he says another advice, which is connected. So what's the first advice? Do not be extreme and keep trying it hard, hard, hard in areas that you've already been taken care of. Let me go deep here for a moment, yo. Like a lot of us are financially pretty, pretty chill, pretty good, right? I'm gonna be, I'm just keeping it real. All right, financially, we're, we're, we're pretty good. Now, globally, we really good. We one percentile. Let's keep it real. Everybody in the room almost, right? One percentile. But even amongst American standards, man, we, we, wait, like, yo, we suburbia, yo. You feel me? No? <laughs> Everybody's like, yo, speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> no, but low key, come on. Like, you got food in the fridge, in the pantry. You got oatmeal. I got oatmeal. You know what I mean? We got grub. But we 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 have this thing inside where we still flipping, trying to get a little more, trying to get a little more. I got to get a little more like, yo, I could flip this. I could do that. A lot of brothers know what I'm talking about. And we just keep on grinding it out, grinding it out, grinding it out. Loki, if you ask the dude, are you good financially? Yeah, we're pretty good. So why are you spending so much time trying to just like this? I don't know, man. Maybe, you know. Now, now that's okay. But there's another side of that coin. Where would that other time be going to if you realize that you had enough? You feel what I'm saying? Like all that extra time you're spending trying to just get a little more cake, few more stacks, and half the time the investment don't even work out. You know that too. <laughs> Anyways, wifey's like, yo, bro, you need to stop investing that extra money because it ain't even working. So, um, so what I'm trying to say is we're, we're not realizing that Allah has taken care of that base and we keep pushing beyond and beyond and beyond. Now, if that was just that, that's okay. But there's another side of that coin. And he says next, he says, And do not waste or squander that which you have actually been put in. You have been tasked with seeking out. Let me say it again. I don't think I'm doing a good job. Allah says, I got your risk, but you got to do something for me. I need ibadah from you. We switched it up. We're like, Ya Allah, I got the risk. Ibadah, I'm going to fit it in. Naudhu billah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So there's an area of life that God says, I took care of for you. 
I took care of for you. I got this. You got a job. You got an income. You're good. Cool. It's coming. You got enough. Cool. But now you're doing tekelef. You keep going harder. Let me go harder. Let me go get more. But then he says, but you forgot. There's an area of life where God said, I'm not taking care of this for you. Whatever you do, you bring on your mayama. You feel me now? What's that area? That's ibadah. So the area that someone took care of for you is the area that you working hard in and the area that Allah said, you got to take care of this yourself. You kind of like, ah, I'll pick it up in the, in the break time. This is a deep point he's bringing. Absolutely profound. I read this. I was like, subhanAllah. Subhanallah. Saying you're trying to invest a little more. Let me buy. I'm going to sell it in the evening. Does that, yo, ain't even making profit, man. <laughs> the brothers know what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> they know what I'm talking about. Alhamdulillah. And then there's a whole area of life. I didn't get no extra sunnahs in. I didn't get no extra dhikr in. I didn't get no extra Quran in. I didn't get any extra in this area. But the area that is already taken care of, I'm focused on. And the area that is not taken care of, which is my ibadah and my relationship with God, that's the area God said, you're in charge of that area. And I'm neglecting that area for something that's already been taken care of. When I read that, I was just mind blown. I thought it was beautiful. Let me read it one more time for you. He says, and do not go to extremes and exert yourself in areas of life that you have already been sufficed in or taken care of in. And at the same time, don't waste the areas that you have been put in charge of seeking out. That's up to you. Next advice. Keep in mind, be cognizant of the rights of your Lord in your religion. Be cognizant. In Islam, there's hukuk Allah, hukuk al-ibad. Rights of God, rights of the servants. He's saying, always keep in your mind the rights of God. What is the right of God? What do I have to give back to Allah? Next advice. Beautiful, beautiful spiritual advice. Never ever let a lot of goodness that you do look big in your eyes. We talked about this before too, but he's bringing it up again. It's so beautiful. No matter how much goodness you do, how big it is, never ever let that go to your head. Never ever be convinced that I did so much. Never ever be convinced that I did so much. Here he's bringing up a concept which is really a key intrinsic part of our religious spiritual development, which is ujab, 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 ayn jim ba, which translates into vanity, to be a vain person. But in the Quran, one of the only places, a few places where God uses, Allah uses ujab in the Quran, one is the battle of Hunayn. Real quick, I'm not going to go deep into sirah, but I just need you to see this example. The Muslims always were the underdog. We were always, we always had less. Less people, less arms, less everything. But because we had less, we depended more on God. That's a simple equation that we need to realize happens in life. When you have less, you make do. When you have, y'all ain't did it, y'all ain't did it before, man. But I done seen moms throw a meal together out of nothing. For, you've seen it, man. You've seen it like, mom, how you, how you make that? Like, yo, love, yo, I got it. Don't worry. So, so even go shopping, man. 
You ever go shopping with someone that only got five bucks? Right? Yo, I, it's hard to explain, man, if you've never seen it. Because for me, we get stressed when we got like, like, oh, there's five grand in the bank. I'm getting worried. <laughs> My mom used to be like, five grand? <laughs> five grand? What? We chilling. <laughs> we chilling. And, and I, we've, we've taken, I'm not trying to like, it's not humble brag. I'm really trying not to do that. I just like want us to realize when you have less, there's a spiritual element there that your nafs naturally inclines to. God, Allah's got us. So what does he say? Let's get back to this. He says, no matter how good uh, um, actions you have, don't be impressed with it. In the battle of Hunayn, it was different. The Muslims had so many Muslims. We were so many people. What happened was we were going to the battle of Hunayn, and this was the first time we had a lot of people. So the Muslims started to look around and we were like, wow, we're pretty, we're pretty deep. And the moment we started to look at our size and our strength and our material assets, our spiritual strength dropped right away. So the struggle for me and you, middle class Muslim, is to have the resources but keep that spiritual strength up. Because the, the normal habit of the human being is once the resources go up, spiritual strength drops. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he's like, yes, some rich people, they, they need to be rich. But some of us, man, richness is a fitna for us. So we have to learn how to have and just not depend. And the Sahaba say there were two tests we had. I'm going to come back to this. The first test the Sahaba went through was poorness. They said, we passed that. The second test was we got rich. And they used to say, I don't even know if we passed that one. One day, one of the Sahaba, you could correct me with the name, he's sitting down in all the, I think it's Abu Huraira. He's sitting in front of all the food. Like the sufra was just covered with food. And he looks at it and he starts to cry. And he's like, man, Sahaba left the world. They didn't have none of this. My companions, they left the world. They didn't get this. Now I got this. He said, I'm hopeful God, I'm hoping God didn't give me my reward in the world. I don't want it here. I want it there. So my point here is we, we were never impressed by our numbers. And that's when the help of God came. And the battle of Hunayn was the first time we had numbers. So the first thought came to some new Muslims. Oh, we can't lose today. We're too deep. And at the beginning of the war, we started to lose. And the concept is ujib, ujib, ujib. Three qualities. You've heard this hadith. But it's, it's my mantra for, for, for life. The Prophet Sallallahu in this narration, he says, there are three of the most destructive vices. Three of the most destructive vices. Thalathun muhlikatun. Number one, shuhun muta'a. Greed that you obey. Greed that you obey. I want more. I want more. I want more. And you just keep getting more. Number two, hawa muttaba'. Desires that you just follow. I feel like it. I do it. Number three, each person being impressed with them, their own selves. Being impressed with their own selves. Now Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, what is the cure for ujib, vanity? What is the cure? Y'all been in this halakha for a minute. Somebody tell me what's the cure. 
What's the cure? Oh, What's the cure for vanity, young man? Yeah, yeah. How do you cure that? How do you get that out of you? You see what he said? He said he could take it away whenever he can. That's beautiful. Yo, that's beautiful, man. Where's your pops? Where's your mom? Your dad's right there? Where's the pops? Mashallah, man. Allah rewards you. That's beautiful. So the, the young man, he said what I was about to say. So uh, <laughs> he said, uh, hey, right? okay. Make me feel like, am I, y'all need me here? <laughs> like, <laughs> y'all need me? Okay, so no, he said, listen. So this is what Imam Ghazali says. Same, similar, but I'm going to just caveat a few things here. Imam Ghazali says, the source of ujab, vanity, is, so we have two things. We have a ni'mah and a mun'im. Mun'im is a giver of the blessing. Ni'mah is the blessing. The source of ujab is when you focus so much on the blessing that you forget the mun'im of the blessing. You see it so much. It could be wealth. It could be good looks. It could be abilities. It could be finance. It could be whatever you want it to be. But you look at it so much that you forget the giver of it. So the solution to it is the opposite. You can have the best of whatever it is. You can be the best. But the thing that you have to keep remembering is that, as he said, he said it beautifully. It's from Allah and it can be taken away at any time. As long as every day you say to yourself, I can lose this at any moment. There's no ujib there. There's no vanity there. It's not from me and it can go away at any moment. Then you've solved ujib. You're good to go, inshallah ta'ala. Inshallah. Ibn Mas'ud, he says that there are two things that will destroy you. Hopelessness and ujib. It's subhanAllah, those are two extremes. If you think about it. One extreme is I'm nothing. I can't do anything. That's hopelessness. He said that will destroy you. The other is I'm amazing. I could do anything. He said that destroys you too. The beauty is, is oscillating in between. The beauty is to oscillate in between. There are times when you got to bring yourself down. Mikael, you ain't nothing. And there are other times you got to be like, Mikael, you got this, man. You got this. You got to oscillate between the two. It's beautiful. Subhanallah. So, man, I'm just so happy, yo. Inshallah, my son's like that one day, man. <laughs> Dropping gems. You know what I mean? Like. Because they'll remind you later in life. You know what I'm saying? SubhanAllah. They'll remind you when you need it. You know? MashaAllah. So do not let your good deeds become so grand in your own eyes. I didn't do enough. And we talked about that before. You love somebody. You do something amazing for them. And you're like, man, I could have did more. I should have did more. All right, this is another thing that's hard for us. And we're going to talk about this. This is a, a delicate one. Okay. So we all understand the concept of being desensitized slowly over time by seeing something done over and over again. Okay. He says in this line, never ever can deem, what's the word? Haqir. Belittle, never ever belittle a small action that was wrong. Now listen, what he's trying to tell us is this. When you take a, a small action and belittle it, it's not a big deal. You desensitize yourself and you lose the ability to do toba from that action. Let me say that again. 
You'll never repent because you've just rationalized it. You just wiped it away through your rationalization. It's nothing. It's not a big deal. And that destroys your relationship with Allah. Do you remember about four weeks ago we said, when you say it's not a big deal, it's like telling someone you love that thing you hate. Oh, it's not a big deal. Imagine we're saying that to Allah. Allah says this is a sin. You're like, oh, it's not a big deal. If someone we love says that to us, we'd be like, yo, do you really care about me? Exactly. So, so the, the concept here is you don't want yourself to get used to a sin. Because then you don't get the ability to do toba. It's not about being perfect. It's about staying sensitive to the, to the gravity of the sin. That doesn't mean you judge people at all. That just means within yourself, you keep that sensitivity to a wrong action. You don't judge no one. I don't know you how much you cry at night to Allah. I don't know how much you cry at night to Allah. That's between you and God. But in my heart, I have to keep a sin as a sin so that I could always do toba and it doesn't become normal to me. And that's where we really fall off because it's, 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 it just becomes normal to us. So he says, never ever belittle or deem small the smallest wrong action that you do. I think it's interesting he said that you do so that you're not always looking at other people, but you're focused on your own actions. What am I doing? Look at that. And then he says, and we're going to wrap this up here in a bit. He says, oh, man, last advice. We'll finish with this one. He says, Such a beautiful way to say it. He says, obey God. What is a ma'siyah in Arabic, guys? A sin. Ma'asiya means sin. So he says, obey God in the sins of people and don't obey people in the sins of God. It's beautiful advice. So here's the deal. What he's trying to guide us to is this. The biggest puller, the biggest thing that pulls us is our fear of people or love of people. Fear and love. What are they going to say about me? How are they going to look at me? How are they going to judge me? Many times that is so strong that it can even stop you from Hidayah. The example of that is who? Abu Talib. He said, what are the people going to say about me? What are the people going to say about me? What are the people going to say about me? For us, it's not Islam. It's more like doing the right action, speaking up to injustice, praying when we need to, all of these things. The, the solution to this, and this is the key, and we talked about this in sufficient answer. You have to make either one of two things. Your fear of God stronger than your fear of people's reproach. Or your love of God stronger than your love of the people's praise of you. That's it. That's the only solution. Because at the end of the day, whichever one you love more or fear more, you're going to, you're, you're naturally, it's just how we're built. You're going to do that thing. So his advice is obey God in the sins of people. There's another point to bring up here. The obedience of God is not always going to be, be, be like in style. I think right now we always try to walk that tightrope and we should, but you got to understand it's not always going to be like that. There's going to be moments where your obedience 
is going to be a sin to the people. I was listening to one, um, and I'm not, I'm not, this, I don't mean to judge a whole category of people, right? But I was listening to someone talking about coming out, okay? And she said something really profound. It was a really well-known person. She said in the interview, she said, uh, my biggest sin to myself was da 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 right? And I was just so caught up on how she used the word sin for her own self. So she was basically saying, I was sinning against myself. What he's saying here is similar. He says, there will be things that will be sins in the sight of people. Righteousness, goodness, praying, I don't know. Sometimes our, our lifestyle, sometimes by society, CNN ain't going to like it. But what do you do in that situation? It's about who you love more or who you fear more. Who you love more, who you fear more. And so, again, what he's trying to highlight here is there will be times where we can walk the tightrope. It's all good. We live in Texas. They they mad religious here. We good, right? But it's not always going to be like that. There will be moments where your righteousness is a sin. And at that moment is where, like, wait, what do I love more or what do I hate more? As far as love of people's praise, can somebody help me get that out of my heart? I love people's praise. I love when people praise me. How can I get that out of my heart? Just remember, they flip like the wind. One day they love you, next day they hate you. Remember the boy and his father and the donkey? Just remember that story. Y'all know the story? Y'all know the story. I know you know the story. You don't know it? Oh, I got you. I got you. It's a classic. Once I start, y'all going, oh, I know, I know that one. <laughs> so there's a boy and a father. They have one donkey, and the father puts the boy on the donkey, and they walk past a group of people, and the group of people say, what do they say? Oh, this little kid has no respect for his dad making him walk. Yeah, see right there. <laughs> so then the father hears it, and this is where we have to be different. You have to, you have to know your principles and stick by them. You can't let every person change you. The father's like, oh, okay, we got to change now. So what does he do? He gets off, he gets on. They pass by another group of people, and they're like, look at this father making his son walk. Child calling CPA. <laughs> CPS, whatever it is, I don't know. Yes. So he's like, oh, let me get off. So now they both get on. They walk past another group of people. Man, look at them oppressing a donkey. That's the SPA, right? What is it? What is it? PETA? It's different in every state. I, I'm calling animal protection services, whatever. So this dude hears that. Now he's switching up again. Do you see this person's life? Will you? Do you want to be that person? That every group, every state you move, you a different person? Every job you get, you a different person? Every friend you get, you a different person? Aren't you going to get tired of being that chameleon? Just be yourself and you never have to say sorry again. Be yourself and you never have to apologize again in life. Be yourself and you never have to apologize again. Okay, let's keep going. He hears that they both walk. So now they're both walking and the donkey has no one on it. They pass by the last village and they say, look at these fools. They have a donkey and they walk in. 
it's a funny thing, but I think low key that's us, yo. We just keep switching. I got a new boss, gotta change. Got a new coworker, gotta change. Gotta change. Be yourself. Be yourself. And you never have to say sorry again. So there will be moments where our obedience to God will be the, a sin in the sight of people. How many of y'all can, 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 you don't got to say yes or no, but you ever been at a family gathering and tried to pray and people hate on you? You ever been at a family gathering and be like, yo, let's pray so lot. And all of a sudden like, ah, oh, here she go. Mutawa, Mutawa in the house. Mutawa. Like, I'm just trying to pray so lot real quick. We're going to chill again. We could get back to Scrabble in a minute. But can we bust out? Like, let's pray. Oh, here she goes again. Right there. Obedience is a sin for the people. What do you do? I'm not trying to say, you you know, but the point is when we know ourselves, when we're happy with ourselves, and that's the one thing I like about being a minority, you learn to have a thick skin, like, early on. Sorry to digress here. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, in high school, I was already different. So it's like, as a Muslim now, I'm like, yeah, I'm still different. It's all good. Just a different flavor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> still ice cream. Hello, Echo. All right, that's it. He says, let's just finish this. We're done for today, inshallah. He says, so obey God in the sins of people. <laughs> and do not obey people in the sins of God. In the sins of God. And at the end of the day, it's do I love Allah more than I love the praise of these people? Or do I love the feeling of God's love more than I fear the pain of people's shunning me? So obey and do not obey the people where it is in the sins of God. All right. And we can stop there. Inshallah ta'ala. Any questions or comments on what we read? Inshallah. Allah give us tawfiq, man. May Allah reward our parents, man. Really had a tough, tough class today thinking about our parents' struggles for us, how much they held inside. May Allah give them the best of reward. If your parents are alive, go hug them. Send them a text message. Say thank you to them. If they've passed away, make dua for them. Yes. Ruler, yeah. Oh, the last R. Yeah, ruler, the last R. Regulation. After you express emotion, you learn to regulate emotion. You learn to regulate the emotion. And that's the prophet. You want to hear a hadith about that? You want to hear a hadith? The prophet, وسلم, he said, when one of his uh, sons passed away, Ibrahim passed away, he was crying. And again, crying for the Arabs, a man crying was weird. It was very weird. There was someone that came up to the prophet. It was like, you kiss your children? That's weird. Right? I, I have 10 sons. I've never kissed my any of them. Bro, I was like, you ain't cool, bro. Why are you flexing? That's not a flex. Right? It's not a flex. So so real quick, coming back. The prophet Saisam talked about emotional regulation. When his grant, when his son passed away, he was crying. And he said, well-known hadith. Inna al-ayna tadma wal-qalba yahzun. The eye will cry, the heart will hurt, but will never say what displeases God. That means cry, feel the pain, but control your tongue. So you never say something. Why did God do this to me? It's a beautiful expression of feeling 
but control at the same time. May Allah give us tawfiq. Jazakumullah khair, everyone. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, allow us to always not never become arrogant and vain um, to keep us motivated towards righteousness. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to hide. And I think after the whole class, we understand what that means to keep in the struggles that we make for the sake of Allah and hide that uh, uh, because it's an expression of our love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right. Subhanakallah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu ala ila ila anta. Nasakhiru atubu ilayk. Subhanarabika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah khair.